Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. Happy Friday, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm pumped. I'm excited. I've been in a good mood because I've had a blast getting this podcast back going and rolling again. I've been working on scheduling some new guests for the podcast. Need to get some new topics in here. I know we're we're really enjoying talking a lot of football. Connor and I have really enjoyed the football season so far, but Vicious Talk is more than just a one-trick pony. I've got plans to get some fun guests coming on soon, so be sure to keep an eye out for those episodes in the not-too-distant future. Also, remember that Vicious Talk with Benny P is now being brought to you by allthingsanalysis.com. It's a sweet website. I think you should check it out. On ATA today, we posted our NFL power rankings through week two. I noticed that we had some differing opinions from some of the major outlets, ESPN, The Ringer, Bleacher Report, etc. I I know power rankings early on in the year uh, are kind of pointless. I mean, so much changes over the course of the year. But what I like to use power rankings for is to really just find value in both gambling, handicapping, and fantasy football. So putting values to teams really just helps me make decisions on which team to pick when I'm picking wins and covers, or which player or defense in fantasy football has a good matchup that week against a bad team, or vice versa. So sometimes the quality of the team matters because it can determine how you should project game scripts to go. So a bad team, you'll expect to fall behind a lot and throw the ball more, while a good team may have a more balanced offensive attack between rushing and passing. So there's strategy to be had behind making decisions on all your gambling and fantasy football formats, So go to allthingsanalysis.com. Check out our power rankings to help yourself get better today. You could also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at allthingsanalysis, all that analysis on Twitter. Shoot us any questions or inquiries to allthingsanalysis at gmail.com. It could be fantasy football questions like who to start or sit that week. You could let me know if you'd like to join me for an episode of Vicious Talk on the podcast. It can be comments on how awesome the content is at allthingsanalysis.com. Whatever you want. We love the interactions we've been getting so far, so keep it coming. Now, let's dive into episode 37 of Vicious Talk with Benny P. All right, we're in the week two episode of Vicious Talk with Benny P, week two of the NFL. Connor and I breaking down some of our takes um, from the week. We're excited to dive into it. It was, it was a good week of football, right, Connor? But minus the injuries, obviously. Yeah, I mean, a lot of really fun games that came down to the wire. But gosh, the teams just got ravaged out there. You know, you, you, you got to feel bad for these players. Right. And we saw this coming. And I think this was the first week that we really saw this trend that we expect to kind of continue throughout the year is the injuries. The, the fact that there was no preseason, um, the limited practice time leading up to the year. Uh, players... We're seeing it both in injuries and in conditioning at the end of games. Um, one thing I noticed, like jumping right off the bat, that great game between the Chargers and the Chiefs that went to overtime. Chiefs ended up winning 23-20 in overtime. They came from behind to take that one. Dude, those teams were gassed at the end of the game. Were you watching that one at all? Those teams, like I, those guys were more exhausted than I had seen football players play in a, like an actual game in a long time. Like those guys were so tired. You could see the sweat dripping off their, off their like face masks and stuff. Like guys are still working their game, their way into game shape. Yeah. I, 
I think it makes sense in a lot of these situations where we're seeing more blown coverages, more turnovers, more miscommunications, guys who are having worse conditioning and unfortunately more injuries. And these are just the side effects of a quicker ramp up to the season. And, you know, like we mentioned in the podcast with Kevin, this is kind of what we predicted and it's not really shocking to see the, the stats and the analysis support supported the prediction. And unfortunately that hypothesis is being borne out in this season so far. Yeah, I'm praying it doesn't continue on, at least not this bad as it was in week two. I mean, we saw not only just like some major fantasy players get injured, but some real great football players get injured. Yeah. I mean, we saw McCaffrey and Saquon, the two first picks in almost every fantasy football draft taken. Um, they were both went down with significant injuries. McCaffrey out for just like three to six weeks, I think they said, mm-hmm. which I mean... I, with McCaffrey being the animal that he is, I, I would, I would, t- I would tend to project the lower end of that. Uh, um, for sure. But Saquon out for the year with the torn ACL. All, yeah. I mean, Sunday was like an all time bad day for ACLs. That's what I would say. The biggest loser of Sunday was ACLs in general, the <laughs> anterior cruciate ligament, cruciate ligament. Yeah. It was an all time bad day. I mean, you had Saquon, you had Bosa, you had Solomon, both on the Niners. You had Sutton. Irving Sutton. Ir- uh, Irvin, the linebacker for Seattle, tore his ACL. Cortland Sutton, the receiver for Denver, tore his ACL. Like, dude, it was a re- it was like a historically bad day for people's mm-hmm. ACLs. Hopefully it doesn't continue. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if there is some type of insights that come out of this year where literally players can prep certain ligaments in their legs that are more vulnerable to quicker ramp ups. It'll be interesting to study after the season to see what types of injuries were most affected by the quicker ramp up. And I'm sure we can draw some correlations and it might just be the fact that, I mean, I guess certain ligaments, it seems like the ACL is the ACL is definitely one of them. And the, the Achilles tendon is another one. Those two tend to be, um, ligaments in the legs that, don't uh, do well with quick ramp ups. Yeah, so that that'll be something we're going to monitor with all things analysis, and we'll take a look at the stats. We'll get our medical sounds like when you got to get Kevin, Kevin back, back on. on. Absolutely, and, <laughs> and next year we'll we'll take a look back at the stats and do an analysis, and maybe Kevin can can have some medical advice um, from an orthopedic perspective yeah. and how these guys can better prepare and, for next season and avoid some of these injuries. Well, this isn't a thing that um, the NFL isn't already looking at. I know. Um, that they do have wearables like t- uh, technology that monitors their bodies when they practice and when they play. Um, they're monitoring like their heart rates, how uh, how much work their body is taking, basically. And uh, I think that the company is called Catapult. And I remember when I went to I went a few years ago. I went to the uh, Sloan Sports Analytics Conference in Boston. Catapult was one of the exhibitors there and they were still in their actually early kind of stages when i went to go look at their their stuff and i think they had just talked about how they're working their way into the nfl and we saw some of the guys wearing the wearables on their it looks like a sports bra a lot of guys in 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 practices were wearing those and i don't know how much that monitors in terms of the uh the interior ligaments of people like how their shoulders are doing and their knees and ankles like i don't know if it's able to monitor the stress that's put on those kinds of joints i would guess that you probably have to have some sort of wearable that goes over the knee to monitor that or or anywhere else in the body but i don't know these there's this this has to be a trend that the league in general has to be looking at especially after these types of results 
Right. I mean, we're not talking about minor injuries. We're talking about season ending injuries and possibly career impacting injuries. So, you know, you you pray for these guys who went down on Sunday and you you hope the league is looking into it to to mitigate uh, some of these injuries from happening in the future. For sure. It's it's bad for the game when some of the best players are, are going down. It ends up diluting the product that's on the field. And we all want all of us, even regardless of what, who you root for fantasy um, wise or whoever your actual favorite team is. I mean, you don't want you don't want to win because somebody got hurt on the other team, you know, so you mm-hmm. want to see the best product possible. You want to, see, to be the best. You want to beat the best. And so we want to see the best players on the field. And hopefully that the NFL could get this uh, looked at. I mean, it's impossible to prevent significant injuries throughout the league but i mean hopefully that they could create some sort of plan of attack for next season to try to combat these injury trends yeah i mean damn brett ben you're depressing me here i think we should start talking about some some solutions for this season because it was still a pretty fun week oh i think you guys can tell that ben and i have personally been affected by some of these injuries and in, in players that we really we really like and in and root for but also guys on our on our fantasy teams but we're going to talk to you about uh how, how to fix some of those issues with this episode as well yeah i agree it was a great <laughs> week i almost like had a tear so, shed you're there right, you're right, you're right. so let's talk about it so in week two what i wanted to start off with my major takeaways was there there were three in my book three like just outstanding games, like great, great play games and, and very entertaining to watch. And the first one that I watched on Sunday that I thought was an awesome game was the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys, Atlanta Falcons game. Dallas ended up winning 40 to 39. Did you watch any of that one? I, I did. I, I caught some highlights here and there as I was streaming through red zone. The onside kick, dude. Have you seen that before? Not, not in like the NFL, right? I've seen like my buddies do that in backyard football or something, no? I, I've seen it attempted a couple of times, but I've never seen it actually work to that Why style where the, the sideways kick. On that ball. What were they thinking? Were they just not expecting it? They should have pounced on it before they reached the 10-yard line. You know what I honestly think is based on the rotation, that ball kind of took a hook back upfield. I, I think they didn't think it was going to make it 10 yards. So they said, uh, if, it, if we don't touch it, it doesn't make it 10 yards. The game's over, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play is over at least. Um, But yeah, because the, there was a guy who had a better hands out there realizing that, oh shit, it is going to make it 10 yards and he was just a little bit too late. Yeah, yeah, you gotta I have Julio gotta, on the front line. Julio exactly, they gotta have a better hands team. They gotta have hands team in that. Go position. get the ball. Go go pounce on it. The ball wasn't moving right. too crazily. I mean, it was still kind of just sitting there like a Beyblade rolling around. <laughs> that's a good example. That's a good analogy. It did look like a Beyblade. <laughs> that's funny, dude. Atlanta, they choked again. This is classic. Oh my Atlanta. gosh! It was it, was, it, it for me. It brought flashbacks of the Super Bowl Fifty One with the Pats and the Falcons. It was in that same vein. And yeah, I still think this is a good team and they could end up with right. a winning season I mean, and this, make the playoffs. The offense for Atlanta is legit. They have they have weapons on weapons in that offense. Everywhere. Everywhere. But the defense, like we said, is going to prevent them from winning as many games as they like. Um, Dallas, though, I mean, to fall behind as, as much as they did showed some really great poise in coming back. They, I, I thought that this was one of their signature wins, at least early on in the season, where... If these are the types of wins that Super Bowl teams have throughout the regular season. So they weren't playing their best early in the game. They had to make adjustments in the second half and they came from behind. I forget how much how much they were behind, but they came from behind pretty significant total, I believe. And 
the poise of just what to go to for everything that happened in that game. I mean, they had to score the touchdown, they get the onside kick, then they had to kick a field goal. Like it was, it was a lot of things that had to go to go right for Dallas in order to kind of squeak that one out. Yeah, I don't think Dak and Zeke are going to have too many turnovers. They're they're mostly responsible was, players, and yeah, they they was a weird start to the game. What concerns me with the Cowboys? That's what it was. Twenty nothing. Yeah, it was a pretty big lead. What concerns me with the Cowboys is some of those coaching decisions. I don't know how I feel about Mike McCarthy punting from the, their side of the um, their side of the field twice and not converting on a, on fake punt attempts. Like, what what are you doing? Yeah, you're just giving the other team a really great offense that we've been talking about has been scoring all game. Awesome field position. I I know I don't I don't know if it, I can. Trust and the I think Cowboys that was also I think Super Bowl that, run with that I think coaching. that was also kind of some respect for Atlanta from McCarthy's part and Dallas's part. I think that they really were respecting the, the Atlanta offense because clearly that Dallas's defense couldn't stop them. And I think that's obviously Dallas doesn't have the, the best defense, especially with an, another Van Der Esch injury. It seems like that guy's hurt every season. It was like Sean Lee who Sean, Sean Lee was like their, their main guy who had to be on the field for their defense to succeed. It, Van Der Esch is another Sean Lee. He, the Dallas defense isn't the same without him on the team on the field. And so if he's not going to be on, on the Dallas's defense, you're, it's possible that teams like Atlanta and teams with good offenses could really march down the field against them. But I did love what I saw out of Dak and, and the offense down the stretch. I mean, CeeDee Lamb is – that guy is legit. He is really, really, really good. Yeah, the the rookie crop of receivers this year looks very fantastic with Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, like Rager, Ruggs, Pittman. I mean, these guys all are popping on the screen. Claypool – yeah, there's 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 some great young receivers on around the league, and I think uh, CD I think CD Lamb's number one in my book. I would say so far, he lo- I liked him coming into the year. I liked him in the draft. I thought he got drafted too low, um, but man, he looks like he found a great home in, in Dallas. I mean, definitely a systematic fit. And I mean, it hurts. He's hurting Cooper and Gallup's fantasy value by by being as great as he is, and that's. That's a token to him. I mean, because Cooper and Gallup are great. I mean, what, didn't they both finish top 20 last year in fantasy? Yeah. And uh, I don't think Gallup's going to finish top 20 this year because CeeDee Lamb has a role in that offense. He's taking targets from him. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And and another interesting thing was um, the Blake Jarwin replacement, uh, Schultz. If, if, Schultz, yeah. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, he, he had a very good game too, like 70, 80 yards and a touchdown. So... The, this offense is clearly showing that you know Dak doesn't care who he throws to; he's just going to throw to the open guy. And so, just because Gallup had had a good year last year, doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to repeat itself this year with the amount that they're spreading the ball around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Schultz, go grab him if you if you need tight end fantasy help. Schultz is you could do worse. The guy is very athletic. Not yeah, he'll be available. Possibly not as blocker. I didn't really, I don't really watch too much of his blocking, but I'm guessing he's not the best at it because he's pretty small for a tight end. But the athleticism from him is fantastic. I mean, he looks like a wide receiver out there who's going down, catching passes down the field, up the middle. You know, so major takeaways from the game: both of these offenses are elite. Um, defenses definitely have some some things to work on, but the passing options in both Atlanta and Dallas the the fantasy options are endless in both of them i mean each of them have two or three wide receivers to own and one or two tight ends 
And yeah, um, don't get confused. Julio and Cooper are still the number one weapons. Julio had a down game, but that'll happen. Ridley popped a lot last year. I think he's due for a better year, but Julio's still the number one. And if anyone in your league is not valuing Julio or is panicking a little bit after this game, try and pick him up. Yeah. Ben has I, him, so I can't pick him I up. I have him. League, but. So, so I'm. I'm actually like considering looking at moving Julio. And the only reason is uh, his hamstring. He's, he's been a sore hamstring throughout the week. He was a, he had a questionable status for a while. And um, I, I, when I was watching it, I, I thought I was noticing some, some limp, especially going back to the huddle. I thought Julio was, was being kind of gimp on his leg. And obviously he played, he, he played most of the game. I don't know how many snaps he got. I know he was in there for most of them, but he only caught two passes for 24 yards on four targets, which is, for Julio, low day of concentrated targets. I mean, he he has. I don't can't remember the last time he had four targets in a game. Um, Gallup in the same vein, two receptions, fifty eight yards, five targets. So some rough fantasy games for fantasy for these receivers who you're going to hope to rely on um, going forward in, in fantasy. You drafted Julio to be your your number one receiver in all likelihood, and you drafted Gallup to probably be your wide receiver two or three. So uh, I don't think it's time to pivot off of either of these guys, Gallup. I'm a little bit more worried about because of the emergence of CD Lamb, but I'm still holding on to him and hoping that he gets some some wide receiver two, wide receiver three production out of him. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Like, hold on to Gallup on your bench. Don't worry about Julio. We have a career of uh, amazing fantasy years. He'll be fine. He'll bounce back. Um, you know, and, and and that's the same thing for a lot of these players. Like anyone, just similarly to Mike Evans last year, where he had a couple of bad games and an awesome season in the end. Like, look for these guys, make them trade targets. Uh, yeah, Michael the, Thomas. The buy low. Up, the buy low window is is here for for these guys. Uh, Julio has a buy low window. Michael Thomas has a buy low window. He's going to come back eventually from his. Uh, I believe he hurt his ankle, right? Yep. Yep. High ankle sprain. So. There's a buy low window for some of these guys who are top end options for sure. Yeah. And, and with the amount of injuries, if you have a healthy roster and you can trade a lower tier player for an injured player that you can, you know, actually wait on for two or three weeks, trade yeah, some of your depth and, and upgrade. Yeah. If you're two and oh, this is what I'm looking to do. I'm oh and two and I'm one and one. We, we can't take advantage of this because we, we've suffered the injuries. Exactly. I've already thought about this. And, and if you're two and oh, and you're feeling comfortable about your team. Right. I, and you have I'm no making, injuries. I'm proposing trades to Julio. I'm banking on an owner overreacting to these early results. That's what, that's what I'm right. doing. Is if, I, if I'm if I'm 2-0, I could afford to wait on an injury. I could afford to bank on somebody re-emerging. Um, I just think that the, you have more to play with if you're, uh, if you're already 2-0 because you're really just trying to set your roster up to make a playoff run uh, down, the, down the road. Yeah, if you're 2-0 and you have a guy on your roster that, that popped and you can unload him at a high value or or just some of your depth and grab Michael Thomas or McCaffrey, Godwin, Kittle. Just There's so many guys who, who are going to be out for short-term injuries, but these teams that they're on, their managers might be 0-2 and they might be panicking and willing to give up these guys just to have a healthy player on their team. So so give it a shot. Target those teams that have been riddled with injuries. Yeah, I mean, and it, on, on the flip side, if you're 0-2 and you have Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley in your team, 
I'm a little worried because well, yeah, if you have Saquon, you can't you can't wait. Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, you're you really got to find some immediate options looking going forward if you're 0 2 with these guys. Um, Yeah, if you lost a player for the season, the the good news is there are options, and we'll talk about them on the podcast. So, all right, next game that I thought was really great was uh one we already touched on the the chargers chiefs game the chiefs came back in overtime 123 20 chargers have a legit defense that's what my main takeaway was is because kansas city is the best offense in the nfl probably alongside baltimore um but kansas city's offense was pretty much stifled for a good amount of this game and i think the debate between who's the best bosa is back I think people really hopped on that Nick Bosa train last year. Really, I think he won Defensive Player of the Year, correct? Joey Bosa got paid this offseason, and Joey Bosa is a, is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. The, the DPOI award might be going to the Bosa house again this year, but it's not, and it's going to be a different one. It's going to be the different well, one. It's going to have to be, right, with Nick going down. <laughs> yeah, so. right. Yeah, the Chargers have a top five defense this year in my book. I, they looked great on on defensive side of the football and they're available on waiver wires are you picking them up and is this a team you're going to hold week to week very a very small amount of, of defenses i don't think there's really any defenses that are matchup immune offense in football is just hitting a new level of it's it's a, it the, the offense is it's unbelievable this week it's it's unbelievable. the amount of points that teams are putting up is it's new it's a new trend Team, this is like it's what happened in basketball. The three point revolution increased point totals over and under totals were the over was hitting on like last year. The over hit, I think, on like 56 58 percent of the time, which is like historic in the NFL. And in basketball, what I'm saying is like the three point revolution boosted the point totals that teams were scoring in the NBA. And I think that you know, over the last few seasons, especially with the emergence of the quarterbacks like uh, Pat Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson and, and Russell Wilson kind of making some adjustments to his, his style of play, really. These uh, teams are putting up historic point totals. And you're really like, if you want to win money in the long run, you might as well just put like 20 bucks on the over for every game because you're going to hit on over 50% of them. So if you want to just like, if you have the money to just throw – if you want to just make a little money over the long run, just hit the over on every game because you're going to get it on more, more than not. Because teams are scoring more than ever before, really. And the Chargers are a defense that I'm monitoring in fantasy for sure. If they have a decent matchup, I'm going to try to get them. But like I said, I mean, there's no, t- there's no defense that's matchup immune and it's tough to hold two defenses in my opinion. I only I rarely do that unless I I have an eye on a specific matchup for a team for the defense I have on my bench. If I'm right. eyeing like a Miami matchup or a or a Jets matchup or something like that, I might do that if I if I think it's a great matchup coming up. But I will rarely hold two defenses. But I don't know the the Chargers defense. The point is legit. I mean the Chiefs had an off day and yet they still battled for four hundred. They're playing the Panthers. Yards. Okay, so I mean the Panthers with McCaffrey out is is actually a it's it's a streamable streaming matchup. Option, yeah, it's a streamable matchup. So I don't know. Like I've said, the Chargers defense, keep an eye on them. Ceh Clyde Edwards-Helaire had an inefficient running uh, game running the ball. A lot of people drafted him in the first round. I'm, I myself was one of them. Um, but I think that the LA, the Chargers elite defense and their defensive line and middle linebacker core kind of kept Ceh at bay for the most part. But it was good to see him get involved in the passing game. They did get some chunk yardage out of catches with him um as they were making their comeback so 
it's good to see him get involved in that in that uh, facet of their offense because that was really the only missing component of his week one performance. So CEH is is definitely a, a running back one, running back two status in my book going forward. High running yeah. back two, if anything. If there's uh, a manager out there who's worried he took a rookie, buy low. Right. It was weird. Is it? the amount of offense that we saw this weekend and then to have the chiefs really not explode compared right. to the rest of the league is really di- very different from what really you would Kelsey, expect. Kelsey was the only chiefs that chiefs player that had a decent fantasy day. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I would love to look at and you're right, Ben is it seems like offense really has taken over these first couple of weeks is how many of the opt-outs have been on defense versus offense. And is it because yeah, these offensive players they're they're getting paid so much compared to I think, players I th- that they didn't want to opt out, right? So much more money yeah. left on the table. But this, these are things that we're going to look into and we're going to report back to you all on, but you know, the more we talk about it, the better ideas we come up with. If I, I had to, if I had to guess early on, I think that defenses are struggling a little bit more because of the conditioning uh, aspect of uh no preseason and lack of practice kind of leading up to the weeks like we were talking about i think conditioning is most important on offense i mean on defense than offense um there's less substitution on defense i would say for the most part and i think that offenses are playing into this is what my point is like offenses are trying to work defenses hard because they know that this is going to be an aspect especially early on that defenses are trying to get their wind like some of the best players especially like aaron donald didn't i know a snap count in week one i saw was down um, and it's just because of conditioning and got guys got to work their way back to game shape. And some of them are there and some of them aren't. And I think that some of the poor play on the defense side of the football can be attributed to this a little bit, but you're right. It's, 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 it's it, an interesting question you posed thinking about who may have opted out on the defensive side versus the offensive side. And I only know some of some specific examples. I can't think of the overall trends of how that would look. Yeah, I mean, just the amount of news I've consumed has mostly been New England-centric because, you know, living in Massachusetts. So I know that the Patriots had a ton of guys on their defense specifically opt out versus the offense. Um, I, I don't know if it's a league-wide trend, but it's definitely something worth looking into. Mm-hmm. We can just expect a lot more points. And if that if that's the case and Vegas hasn't caught up to it yet, let's start slapping the overs and let's watch that from week to week. And if it's a trend that can make us some money, we're going to, you know, we're going to let you guys know. Yeah, I think overs are are smart are a smart bet for the most part for now. Um, going forward, just to tie a bow on this Chargers Chiefs game from a fantasy perspective, I liked what I saw out of Justin Herbert, the the rookie QB for the Chargers. They drafted him in the top ten in this last draft. Um, they love the, the rookies on the Chargers right now. Herbert and Kelly have been looks great. Yeah, that's that was my next guy. I was going to say Joshua Kelly looked legit. This is a this is a legit one A one B backfield for the Chargers, and so. Not great for Eckler owners who drafted him in the first round um, with Joshua Kelly stealing. I think he got 20 carries in that last week too. And um, I'm not panicking on Eckler, but I'm definitely lowering, tempering my expectations, thinking that I'm going to be getting probably a running back two performance out of him more so than a running back one. You know what? what's an interesting combo, Ben, is um, so you have Eckler and Kelly, right? And they were both very productive uh, and they both were getting around 20 touches, I would say, mm-hmm. you know, that, that duo, would you rather have uh, Chubb and Hunt or would you rather have Eckler Great question. and Kelly? I want to see more out of Kelly. That's my answer for that because I, I think Chubb and Hunt is the number one backfield tandem right now. 
used to be probably Ingram and Kamara. I don't know. There's teams that have worked this into their systems where they have two fantasy relevant running backs, and I think this is going to be one of them going forward. I'm playing both Kelly. I'm playing Kelly on my flex if I have him. And yeah, my, and running back one, and he he class. might be available on the waiver still. He you know he's a rookie, he's an unknown yeah. name. A lot of people pick him up after league, week but, one, but yeah, you're right, he could be available. Yeah, he's definitely not 100 percent on. So you know, take a look. Probably around yeah. 60, 70 if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. So for the Chargers, uh, I had an encouraged outlook from their week two performance on from an offensive perspective for fantasy football. If Justin Herbert stays their starting QB, I know. Um, Lynn saying he's not Lynn going. saying he wants to go with Taylor if he's uh, healthy. And I'm just like, did you watch that game? Herbert has a better arm than he had 300 so yards. more athletic. Maybe Taylor can run a system better. But look, Herbert threw – yeah, you're right. He threw for 311 yards, 22 of 33, passing, had a touchdown and a pick, had a, 20, had a 94-4 QB rating. I mean, that's, that's not bad for a debut, especially considering he didn't expect to start when he woke up on Sunday. Had, right, the know, circumstances. Had chest, had chest problems warming up. So he probably had, what, an hour notice of that he was about to just make his NFL debut? Great. He didn't even have time to tell his parents. Yeah. So, look, if Herbert stays QB, I'm upgrading Keenan Allen, I'm upgrading Henry, and I'm upgrading Mike Williams if Herbert's staying QB, especially Mike Williams. I think Mike Williams becomes relevant if Herbert stays QB because we saw Herbert look to Williams down the field a couple times. I know he caught a he, – uh, he just missed a touchdown, and I forget who it was on the Chiefs. Made a great defensive play to break it up. But Mike Williams almost caught like a 40-yard touchdown pass. And Herbert, I think, has the arm to stretch the field and, and use a guy like Mike Williams better than Tyra Taylor would be able to. Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, Williams did have a couple good games with Taylor, but I agree. Herbert seems to have the tendency to want to sling it around a little bit more. He definitely has a better arm. And there's a reason they drafted this guy in the first round. He's the future of this organization, and he clearly showed in his first start that he has the capabilities. They not bad. Were, not a bad. They went idea. to overtime to the. They went to overtime with the reigning yeah. Super Bowl champions. Yeah, and we ranked them. How, how are you rankings. not going to let him run with that? Right. You know, all respects to Ty, Ty Roddy. I loved watching him in Hard Knocks. He's a very inspiring player. Anthony Lynn. I love the way he speaks with the decisions he, he's making right now. I just don't think it makes sense. I, I want to see more Eckler, and I want to see more. I Mr. think. Herbert. I think he's saying that to help Taylor. But I think he wouldn't be – I think Taylor – my guess is that we see Taylor miss a few more weeks. And as soon as Herbert starts to struggle, struggle, he'll say Taylor's healthy and Taylor's going to start again. I think mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. I think that they're going to milk the injury for Tyrod a little bit longer. My guess is Herbert stays in there until he struggles and then they bring, in back, bring back Tyrod Taylor. Um, but we'll see because I think it makes a difference if the Chargers contend. If the Chargers are, are competing for a playoff spot, I think they prefer Ty- Tyrod in there, obviously, uh, because he's been there. He's had some success in Buffalo. He's not a bad QB. Um, obviously, from a fantasy perspective, probably not usable. Um, but if the Chargers are trying to win football games, I think that they probably go with Tyrod first, and then if he struggles, they look to Herbert. So we'll see, though. All right. I like that game, the Chiefs and the Chargers, I think that that division rivalry is going to be pretty good. Hope, hopefully that they, uh, those two teams stay healthy because I think it would be fun to watch them play again. All right, the other game that I thought was really just outstanding on Sunday was the Sunday night game, the Pats and the Seahawks, where the Seahawks won 35-30. Came down to a fitting third time of the, a goal line stand. 
Patriots and, and Seahawks had both won one of these each in the Super Bowl. And uh, a lot of people were hating on that cam play in the, in the goal line stand. What was your take on that? What did you think that, of that, that path decision to run cam straight into the teeth of the defense on that last play? Yeah, after this game, you and I were texting a little bit back and forth. Um, you know, how could you not? It was such a fun game. I like the idea of running Cam, but it's a play they had utilized a, a few times in the game already. So, so I would have liked to see like an option out yeah, of it or a guy like exactly. last night we saw Darren Waller on like a, a, a rollout fake run play. Mm-hmm. With Cam, you, you could have the, the weapon be um, the quarterback, right? Faking the run. But then you just have a tight end leak out like Waller did. He was wide open. And I think uh, if the Pats. That's what I thought was coming. Someone I thought it was going to be some sort of cam. misdirection. And then and a, it, and a pass option where he kind of just does a little jump throw to like some white tight end that we'd never right. heard of. And if the run is there, do the run, right? But obviously yeah. Jamal Adams came right up in the hole and stuffed it. So I think that the reason why they went with the QB power was, look, Cam looked legit in this game. This is the healthiest I've seen him look running the ball and throwing the ball since, I mean, 2018 at the late, at the earliest. I mean, he looked great in those first few weeks in 2018 and then he got hurt and then he hadn't looked the same for a good year and a half or so. But uh, he looks legit and he, the Patriots are a scary team if, if Cam's going to play like this. Yeah, honestly, for, for me, it's it's been even longer since I've seen his accuracy at this level. You're um, right. The accuracy wasn't there back in 2018. He he, like he's been dealing with a shoulder injury for a long time, um, and it definitely affected him last year in the couple of games that he did play. He was just all over the place, and so I think that was part of the reason the Panthers decided to move on was like, you know, with Cam, if Cam loses his legs and he's not accurate, he's nothing as a quarterback, but this year – I think he he can show he can have some more longevity to his career if he can prove that he's more accurate as a passer. He threw for like 390 yards or something like that, right? I'm loving the Cam Newton coverage too because the guy has the right mentality of a Patriots player because the Patriots are all about do your job. Don't worry about the the external forces. Don't don't worry about the distractions outside the locker room. Just like do your job. When you get on the field, just focus and get your job done and and work as a cohesive unit. Cam had a quote. He was like, they asked him about his contract and they asked him about the money basically and, and how he, whether or not he was offended that he didn't really have any other options. And there were, he was just saying, well, well, look, I'm not, he's not offended about the money. He doesn't, he's made, he's like, let's be honest. I've already made the money. He's saying that, look, I'm looking for some respect because I've, I've accomplished everything I needed to do on the money side. I'm looking to accomplish everything I want to do on the football side. He wants to win championships. He wants to do his job. He wants to be a Patriot and win champions. I think he's going to come back. I think Cam is going to be the QB for the Patriots for years to come. He's looking like a comeback player of the year candidate for sure. Definitely. You, Definitely. You'd have to think that the Pats get him another weapon or two in the receiving. Yeah, court. yeah, I agree. I, I think they're an Allen Robinson trade. I, I, could see, I see the writing on the wall for an Allen Robinson trade away. A-Rob, OBJ, there are a couple of disgruntled guys out there on teams that look like they might be imploding um, that could be good trade targets. And the Pats have a lot of, um, a lot of cash to burn this year right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Demir Bird was like ten, targeted. Yeah, ten Bird times. had a good game. These aren't guys who Cam can rely on year long. If if the Pats no. plan on winning, we saw the issues last year that Brady had. Now Cam looks better than Brady this year. I'll give you that, um, and with much lesser weapons. But I, I think the Pats can really contend if they bring in a couple other guys. I agree. But look, we're talking about how great Cam is, dude. He wasn't the best QB, but by a large margin, <laughs> this game, dude. Russell Wilson, he's the, he's my MVP favorite right now, and he looks incredible. 
I haven't seen a QB play like this. I mean, really since my get my, my thought was he looked like Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers was like the vintage beast that he was. The more probably the I think peak Aaron Rodgers was probably the most talented, entertaining QB I've ever seen. And Pat Mahomes is getting on that level. And I think Russell Wilson's on that level right now. I mean, he's yeah. the number one QB right now. If I had to pick, if it was a Super Bowl format and it's like a fantasy draft and you're facing off against one other team and you just get your pick of the litter of any player you want to start with, my number one pick overall is Russell Wilson. Number two is Pat Mahomes, but number one is Russell Wilson in my book because obviously Pat's coming off the Super Bowl victory. So it's, it's, it's a controversial take and really a coin flip between the two. You can't go wrong with either. But I just think that Russell is affecting winning more than I've ever seen a QB affect winning in, in this sport. He's, he's changing plays. He's, he's, he's making his receivers, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, look like the best receivers in the, in the sport almost. I mean, DK Metcalf looked like the best receiver in the sport on Sunday night. He looked incredible. And I think a lot of it goes to Russell Wilson buying time, allowing his, his receivers like DK Metcalf to break free and create space, and then just placing the football in a, a pocket that really only he could recreate on a consistent basis. And I don't know. I just think that Russell Wilson is on another level right now, Probably, possibly one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen perform. Like in, in one moment, he, Russell Wilson's putting together some performance that I've, on, I've only seen a handful of times in my lifetime in this sport. Russell is probably the most accurate quarterback in the league and, and the best deep ball thrower. And then you combine that with his athleticism and ability to get outside of the pocket. The schematic and change that they've made too this season. I mean, the fact that they've, they've made it a point that they're letting Russ loose, you know what I mean? So absolutely. So you could definitely see a case for him being the MVP this year. I mean, I haven't looked at the odds, but I would love to toss some early money on him. The Seahawks look like they're going to be really good. His weapons are fantastic. He he's, he's, he has like as many touchdowns as incompletions on the season. Yeah. He, there was a point in that last unreal. game. He had, he had more touchdowns in the Pats game, I think than incompletions on the entire season. Yeah, or, or or it might have been more touchdowns on the season than incompletions at one point in the Pats game. So, I don't, dude, it's the it's on another level what he's doing. And the, you brought up the MVP odds. I, I believe he was like plus seven hundred almost leaning into that Pats game. I think he's at like plus two hundred now. So the odd the value is not there on an MVP <laughs> bet, but we're a little late to the game on that. But dude, yeah. Russell Russell's my pick, dude. I'm if I have to go with a guy right now, I have no more confidence in anybody in the league than Russell Wilson. He's been like this his whole career that you, you mentioned the schematic change. And I think that's one of the biggest things contributing to the amount of success. He's always been extremely efficient and successful. Yes. It was just yes. limited opportunities. Now there's no Marshawn Lynch really taking up a, a, a huge amount of carries and previous seasons that they've been a run first offense. It seems much more of a split and they really believe in their outside weapons and lock it and Metcalf to, to stretch the field and get open. And we know what Russell can do and he, and get them the ball so yeah, it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be so much fun watching yeah. russell and murray and this and game Mahomes, felt like Jackson. two of the best teams this game felt like two of the best maybe five teams but two of the top teams in the nfl like i could see either team going to the super bowl i could see both in the super bowl you know what I mean? 100 so it, it felt like the, the biggest clash of titans we've seen so far this year next year next week we got baltimore and kansas city so we don't know how that's going to pan out but i'm just saying that that i thought was the the most well-played game so far this season. I thought both teams really brought their A game and 
Pats just came up a couple yards short. These are two great coaches and two great organizations. So in a, in a, in a strange season that where you're coming into it with less organizational structure, having the backbone of these coaches and these organizations behind these teams is going to make it a lot easier. The, these guys know how to run an operation and, and get people in and out and, and making the right decisions. So I have a lot of confidence in the Seahawks and Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick and the Patriots um, as the season goes on. These are two teams I don't have any money on that I wish I did, but I think they're going to be great. I think they're both going to be in the playoffs. Look, from a fantasy perspective on this game, my biggest takeaways was invest in some Seahawks if you can. If Russell Wilson is probably – he's in that tier now in my book with Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes as the top fantasy QBs. Russell Wilson might be the number one fantasy – he is number one fantasy QB right now. Um, week to week, I still have those three in my top – top one tier and I, I think that below that there's a little bit of a gap i think those three are from a fantasy Kyler perspective Murray. most elite and then i think yeah kyler murray's capable of jumping in there you're right less of a history but these first two games he's just been looking out he did look very good last week i watched that game um and if you could get dk metcalf why he looks like a bigger slide? odell man how did he slide to the second round in that draft last year two years ago how did he slide to the second round what was how were what every every football team passed on him once at least every right. team even the seahawks passed on him once how did that happen i don't know the guy he was like, too big and too fast ben right? i think that was the they issue didn't believe like, it. they didn't believe it they were like the guy that big and that fast can't run routes well or catch yeah. the ball well but obviously he can it's it's dumb yeah he's the uh he's over lockett in my book he's leapfrog lockett as the number one receiver in that passing that passing core in my, in, in my book. Russell and Lockett have really a, a connection that is only parallel between maybe Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and Michael Thomas and Drew Brees maybe. That's the only other one I could think of in terms of a QB and a wide receiver having just a mind meld of a connection. And Lockett's going to always have that with Russell. But just from a physical talent perspective, DK Metcalf is the number one guy on that team. He's the big play. He's He's the the guy that the number one cornerback's likely going to be guarding going forward. Metcalf is going to have some of the larger games, um, definitely a better end zone target and he'll win more of the 50, 50 balls, but Lockett's going to be a more high volume player. Um, and he definitely has just a, a rapport with Russell that's unmatched. So, I would still prefer to have Lockett on my team just because, um, well, based on my current, roster but also because he's yeah he'll bring some he's a little bit more trust. gonna be consistent he's gonna be more trustworthy throughout the season um you know it's still dk's second year so there's gonna be some ups ups and downs you're right the ups and downs will be there for dk but man the upsides are just oh the upside's fantastic really worth it in my opinion especially it depends on roster composition for sure all right let's roll into some of these other games we uh spent a lot of time on these i thought those three games were just fantastic fantastic and definitely the ones to cover first yeah so my next one that I, I really enjoyed watching was the Rams Eagles game. Uh, Rams ended up winning 37, 19. I dude, I like this Rams team this year. That's why I enjoyed watching it. Dude, the Rams are, they're fun. They're, they got their 2019 or their 2018 glow back, man. That, that Super Bowl run with where they faced off against the Pats. That was an, that was a historically great football team. Really great, really great team. And they just didn't, didn't bring their game against the Pats and the Patriots had a great defensive scheme against them in that Super Bowl. 
just didn't work out for them. But they're look, they're going to make another run this year. They're pro, they're right there with Seattle in that division. It's going to be a bulldog of a fight between Seattle, Arizona, and the Rams. Those three teams in the same division. I think that's the number one division in my book. It's, I mean, you got the the Niners in there too. So I mean, the Niners with the injuries are are downgraded in my book. But I mean, come on, that's four teams that you could make the Super Bowl maybe. So I don't know. That division is that's wild. You're absolutely right. That's the most difficult division, and I wouldn't want to pick pick a team to win that one. It's picking right. out of a hat at this point. You mean, like I said, all four of those teams could win it. So the other takeaway from this game, the Rams are great, but the Eagles, I mean, people have, were kind of high on them coming into the year. Dude, they're average to mediocre at best right now. Um, I'm not saying the talent's not there. They could turn it around. I still have faith in, in uh, Peter. It's um, What's the coach's name? Peterman? Doug Peterson, yeah. Peterson. I always get that. I always get that wrong. Doug Not to be confused with Nathan Peterman, the worst quarterback <laughs> right, of all I, time. That's what I, that's what I was confused. <laughs> I was like, dude, I know it's not Peterman because that guy throws picks like it's going out of style. But all right, so I still have trust in Peterson though, and I still have trust in the Eagles coaching staff because yeah, like, they've shown. I up, think this but, team ride or dies with their offensive line and also Carson Wentz decision making, which I don't have any faith in. So that's why I'm, th- I'm saying that I think they're average and mediocre at best. Cause I have no faith in the offensive line, but I also have no faith in Carson Wentz from what I've seen from him this year. His decision making uh, is flawed and he looks like he's trying to do too much on the field. And yeah. last year he had to because of his weapons, but now he has guys around him. You know, he still has Hurts and Goddard, but you have Rager now and, and Miles Sanders is coming out I'm of the starting, backfield. He has I'm options. probably starting zero Philadelphia Eagles unless the matchup's juicy. In my well, Miles Sanders is, is the guy in Zach Ertz you're starting for sure. Yeah, I'm not starting Ertz in my league. That I have him in. I have. Well, you you also over. have another tight. Well, I have Kelsey. So. Yeah, that <laughs> was that was a weird draft. Weird, yeah, I had a weird little comp- composition there. But all right. Aside from that, I did. Dude, this game was all about the Rams. That's why I want to bring it up because this game, the Rams are put. They're putting their stamp on the season already. And this was a, just a dominating win from both sides of the football. Higby is Higby's really a must start. Yeah, Higby with the three-touchdown game, I think, established himself as the clear-cut tight end in that offense. I did have coming into the season a little bit of doubt um, whether or not his role would be diminished with Everett, Gerald Everett kind of coming back and being healthy because last year, Everett was kind of the guy that was the main receiving option initially, and then he got hurt, and Higby took over and really took off. And I think that we're seeing that the Rams loved what they saw at Higby late last year. And so they're really going to integrate him in the offense this year from a pass attack perspective. And I think Everett is a, a guy waiting in the wings to, to really capitalize on a situation if Higby were to ever miss some time, because I think the tight end position in the Rams offense looks like a good one that, to have value in. So Higby is a, is a must start going forward. And if he ever goes down, you better pick up Charles Everett. Cause I think Everett's capable of putting up similar stats. Yeah. I, uh, Higby's definitely a must start. I, I wouldn't touch ever until not yet, not yet. In, unless Higby goes down, um, the watch list. Guy the tight me. end is definitely more valuable in the system. Now we started seeing it last year where they were running less and less three wide receiver sets. And obviously they, they decided that it was no longer um, crucial for them to have three key wide receivers. They let Brandon cooks go in the off season. And I think part of that was because they liked what they saw out of Higby. Um, I think more interestingly is going to be, okay, what, what do we make of these Rams wide? receivers woods and cup had a down game i think you still have to ride with them um it's too early to hit the panic button they got paid the running backs though we have a three-headed monster there with with acres henderson and brown 
uh, Brown and Akers are a little bit dinged up. We saw Brown have a great game one. Akers actually got the first three rushes in this game before Brown, before going out with injury. And then Henderson looked great um, with like 80 yards and, and a touchdown. So what do you do, Ben, if you have one of these running backs? So from my initial, my stance here between the, the three-headed backfield in, in L.A. is – I am keeping Cam Akers on my bench because I think he has the highest upside. Uh, I'm not playing him until I see some sort of distinguished role in the offense because he he hasn't really yet got hurt last week. And then week one, he kind of split carries with Malcolm Brown. And I am trying to trade Malcolm Brown and or Daryl Henderson if I have either one of them because my thought is they're both, if they get the opportunity, if the big the big question is if they get the opportunity to run the football, or be involved or take snaps, just to, just take snaps in that offense. There's value because we've already seen the running back for the Rams score a lot of points in both weeks one and two, and it was a different guy both weeks. And so that's what I'm worried about is any sort of uh, drop pass, any fumble, any missed block, any sort of mistake, any sort of slip up running back has in this backfield. I'm afraid that like if Daryl Henderson were to fumble the ball in his first his first series next week, I think the the carriers are going to go back to Malcolm Brown. I think this is a, this is a true, true three headed backfield. I think he, I think all three of these guys have a role in the offense when they're healthy. So, from a fantasy perspective, it's not great. You don't know who to roll with each week, and so that's why I'm trying to flip Henderson and Brown because I think they both have value right now. I just don't want one of them to get hurt. I don't want one of them to lose all their value, and then I'm stuck holding the bag. You know what I mean? So, the only guy I'm holding on to is Cam Akers because I know he has a rim rim injury likely to miss next week, probably uh, Malcolm Brown and Henderson, both likely to play next week uh, from what I'm hearing. Uh, but Brown has the, has a finger injury, but I think he's going to be playing. And um, I just, I, I'm just worried about where you're going to find some sort of distinguished role for any of these guys. I think it's just going to be a consistent split between all three of them. And I, I don't really want to roll with that week in and week out. I, the inconsistency is going to be difficult. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I see Akers having the most long-term value and highest potential on the year. Um, they drafted him for a reason, even though they had Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. And that's because, you know, these guys have been there for a couple of years and haven't really cemented a, a large role within the team. So Akers has been getting the first touches. And when he gets back from injury, I, I think he will again. Um, in the short term, I think you can flex up both Brown and Henderson next week. Capitalize on a good game from him and trade him too. The upside is 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 there for both Henderson and Brown. They could they could both put up high teens, maybe possibly twenty, depending on touchdown um, touchdowns, if anything. But um, it's it's a difficult situation to predict, and I'm trying to stay away if I can. But you're right in the sense that you're not. Don't panic if you got to play with these guys in your flex this week because the potential for a good week is there for sure. Right. I think long-term, though, we're, we're both saying acres. Yeah, I agree. But from a fantasy perspective, um, I'm not panicking. on you, you mentioned Woods and Cup. You're right. I'm not panicking on them. The game script kind of went against both of them. Woods had the rushing touchdown on an end-around sweep in this one. But um, Cup had – I mean, he would have had a better game had Higby left some touchdowns for the rest of them. And then the game script kind of just went against their way towards the end of the second half in the fourth quarter. So – I'm still slotting both Woods and Cup as solid wide receiver twos going forward. 
Yeah, if I can trade for Cup, we saw one one of the things last year was the amount of red zone targets and touchdowns he had, and he hasn't had that this year. But he did have five for eighty. So if he if he gets one of those Higby touchdowns, we're looking at a great game. Um, he's had two down games to start, so I, I would look to see if I can scoop him up. And you know, it, as long as you value him correctly, he's not a top five guy like he was to begin the season last year. He's more of a wide receiver too. And if you can get that that type of value for a guy who thinks he's more like a uh, his wide receiver four or, or or her wide receiver four, you know, go grab him. All right, let's go to the next game because I thought this one was a good two, good one too. The Jaguars-Titans game. Deceivingly entertaining game, the Jaguars-Titans. Uh, Titans ended up winning 33-30. Titans were up early, uh, but the, and then the Jags ended up making a decent comeback towards the end and they just fell barely short. And my big takeaway was, dude, the, the Jags were coming into the season. People thought they were going to be the worst team in the year. They dropped Fournette. I mean, they, they uh, released Fournette. They thought this team had no chance of winning really anything. They're one and one on the year already. Had a, had a good week one win against the Colts. Had a, a close loss against the Titans in week two. Both decent teams, I think, the Colts and the Titans are. And my big takeaway is, look, the Jags, are. there's some value in possibly betting, betting them this year because I think that the, especially early on going forward for weeks, three and four and five, maybe um, the Jags might be undervalued from us from a gambling spread perspective. They might be undervalued. So they're not taking this year by any means. James Robinson, the running back looked good. I think that's why they dumped Fournette. I think that they wanted yeah. to go with him. And I think Minshew, dude, you could say what you want about Minshew. He's a weird dude. He's, he has a, a strange value, but man, is he fun, man? He's just good. And, he, we saw it. It's a similar style he had in Washington State when he led the NCAA. He set the passing record, I think, in, in, in Washington State um, in college. And I think it's the same style, man. He, he's just a fun player willing to sling the ball around and just have fun out there. And look, the Jaguars aren't going to win anything this year. They'll be lucky to make the playoffs. But you know what? They're, they're not a tanking and their fans have something to root for. And that's what, I, that's what my main takeaway was besides the Titans having – a decent team. I think the Titans have a good team this year and uh, we're just solid kind of on every, every asset of this game. Um, not, not limited mistakes. I thought that it had. So um, I think Tannehill's proving the doubters wrong that last year wasn't a fluke. And, and he's a solid QB, uh, probably a top half QB in, in this league. And they, and the Titans have some good receiving options now um, with Corey Davis and Johnny Smith kind of emerging as good wide receiver and tight end options. They already had AJ Brown. So, um, I thought both these teams are pretty good and I'm looking forward to watching the Jags kind of surprise people as, as they continue to just be a fun team. Yeah. The, Minshew looks great. He's been extremely accurate. He's spreading the ball around. Um, Keelan he Cole. He had three incompletions in the first week. Minshew. Right. So Keelan Cole is, has done well. He's got a couple of touchdowns. Um, and then, you know, Chark has a couple longer plays and he get a touchdown in week one. Chark hasn't been targeted very much. Um, so that's a little bit concerning. Um, but I still trust his talent and what he showed last might, year. He's still a red zone Chark, guy. If I own Chark, I might look to um, have a little bit of a handcuff with Cole. I might look to pick him up because he's available. I know Keelan Cole is available in a decent amount of, of or most leagues out there. Mm-hmm. And um, it depends on your waiver situation, whether or not you want to waste a waiver claim on him. I think he might be available still if you don't claim him. I'm respecting Cole's output in weeks one and two, for sure. You know, it's funny, Ben. So I, I placed a $20 bet on the Jaguars. To win the a- Super Bowl or what? 
to win the Super Bowl at uh, ten thousand to one odds or at a thousand to one odds. Yeah, so I get a two thousand dollars <laughs> if that hits if they win on a twenty dollar bet. So that'd be pretty nice. Dude, you'll get you'll get but it's a hundred to one odds, sorry. No, you'll get twenty you get twenty thousand dollars. Oh yeah, it was a hundred to one odds. Yeah, the yeah, Jags aren't plus, gonna, the Jags aren't gonna win Super Bowl. So, it's so one that I thought you, you made a good value bet on was the, the Cardinals. The Cardinals you made you bet on and I thought they dude, they're they're a good team. And speaking of the Cardinals, let's go into their game. Let's talk about them because they had a good game against Washington. That was it was a fun matchup between them. Um, I think that the big storyline coming from Arizona and this game was that Kyler is stamping his name on the MVP candidacy race. And Kyler is he's emerging this year. He looks good, and he's one of the most fun fo- football players in the sport right now. I don't know, dude. Arizona's a fun team again. They're another fun team. I mean, possibly not the best composed not the most evenly rounded team but they man they, they could throw the football they could run the football their defense isn't half bad i don't know what'd you make of this one we talked about the the cardinals last year as being a frisky team because they did have some talent and in, in a few key positions you know they still have patrick peterson and chandler jones on defense kyler is obviously fantastic Kenyon drake popped off the screen last year but they were really missing a number one wide receiver it, um and you could tell christian kirk had a couple of good games here or there larry um is, is a is a trusted receiver but he's not getting the separation he once did and so kyler has just been unlocked with yeah. DeAndre Hopkins now, and you can see it like Hopkins is, is a safety blanket and it's just always going to allow this team to move the ball down the why field. Couldn't, why couldn't Hopkins do this with Sean Watson? Was it a coaching thing? Was it? Well, he did. I mean, year after year, he was the top five fantasy receiver. You're right. You're right. A couple well, number one is, is why didn't it convert to a more fun product of football? Why weren't the Texans a more fun team? Why weren't, why weren't they winning more games? Like, I don't know. They did make the playoffs. So Bill O'Brien versus I mean, Cliff like, Kingsbury. Right? That's just kind of what it comes down to. This Arizona team, like, if I'm Hopkins, Let's, I'm having more fun on Arizona. Yeah. That's my point. Like, Let's Arizona go back to the Texans. Um, you asked why weren't they a more fun team? Well, think about their running back. They, they had Carlos Hyde, who was plodding along. Lamar and, Miller. And Lamar Miller before that. So these guys, they were slow moving. They were like three yards a carry type of players. You have Kenyon Drake, who was the most explosive dual threat capable guys. So that that's going to make the Cardinals a lot more fun out of the backfield. And then you add Hopkins on top of that and, and a field stretcher and Christian Kirk. And this Cardinals team is extremely well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Bill O'Brien's just a boring coach and mm-hmm. compare that with Cliff Kingsbury and the offensive mind he is. I mean, Kyler's going to have a great year. He, he looks like a right-handed Michael Vick, honestly. Yeah. Look, Kyler is, is going to be really great. I thought Washington in this game, though, the Washington Cardinals game, dude, Washington's not bad. I, I moved them up in our power rankings uh, for the week because, look, I think Arizona's a good team. I think they beat Washington. I don't think Washington played bad. I thought that Arizona just looked great. And Washington has an offense that's not thrilling, nothing exciting, but they, they're, they're, they are what they are. I mean, Antonio Gibson's a good running back. Terry McLaurin is a good receiver. Haskins isn't turning the ball over that much. He had a couple fumbles in this one, not really throwing that many picks, which is a good thing. Fantasy, I think McLaurin's a solid wide receiver too, flex option. I think Antonio Gibson is is someone to monitor as possible RB2 flex option as well. So, Yeah, I mean, uh, McLaurin, I, I see more as a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside just with his big playmaking ability and the amount of yeah, targets. Yeah, the, the big play potential is there. I just don't, I don't, 
I'm not relying on him as a wide receiver one just because the consistency isn't going to be there. But you're right. The potential of wide receiver week, wide receiver one week is always there with him. He's so. definitely hampered by Haskins. And like you said, Haskins is looking more consistent. So if Haskins can take that step up, I think McLaurin moves up proportionally with him. Um, otherwise, if Haskins is going to be inconsistent like he was last year, I would, I would agree. I'd, I'd keep McLaurin more in that wide receiver two range. Yeah. Okay. So the other game that I want to talk about was the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins score. I mean, game. And uh, the Bills ended up scoring 31 to Miami's 28. So the Bills took that one. But the big takeaway was, so we talked about Tyler as an MVP candidate. Dude, Josh Allen's an MVP candidate this year. And so are we in store for just like a huge QB revolution? Like we talked about Kyler and the MVP candidacy. Lamar Jackson won last year. Lamar, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to be there every year. I mean... Russell Wilson is kind of in the, a different generation of QBs, but is he's a he's a MVP candidate? Like, is is every if your if your football team doesn't have a good quarterback, what chances do you have to win in this league? Because I mean, I would say almost half the teams have good quarterbacks at this point. And Josh Allen is gonna, I mean, four hundred fourteen yards throwing the ball, four TDs, ninety three ninety three point four QBR rating. I mean, the guy had an almost flawless game on Sunday. And um, really surprising to think of Josh Allen as an MVP candidate. And I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something as well. Josh Allen's Josh Allen's with an S are the best football players in the NFL because Josh Allen on the the Jacksonville Jaguars is also really good. So Josh Allen is a great football name for 2020. Yeah, a couple of good ones out there. Uh, I, I want to pump the brakes a little bit on Josh Allen of Buffalo and just remind people of the two teams they've played so far are the New York yeah. Football Jets and the Miami Dolphins. Um, both of these teams are uh, coming into the season. We looked upon them as, as very weak rosters. Um, so it's not surprising to see that two of his better games would be against these teams. I see the, these games being more his ceiling um, than the norm for Josh Allen going forward. Definitely a guy that has tremendous value and is going to be a rock star this year, but I'm not ready to put him in that upper echelon. Whereas I see it stiff being... farming guys, juking like <laughs> the rushing does give him a safe floor, but he's not going to throw the ball like this every week. Yeah. First player in Bill's history with 400 passing touchdowns, four passing TDs and zero interceptions. Yards. In yeah. Passing yards. Sorry. 400 passing yards, four passing TDs, and zero interceptions in a game. You mean Nathan Peterman didn't do that? <laughs> EJ Manuel, Tyrod. Yeah, yeah. The, the great history of Buffalo QBs in the, in the last 20 years. Didn't they do that? No, I'm just kidding. Man, Josh Allen on throws 20-plus yards downfield on Sunday. Eight attempts, seven completions, 246 yards, two TDs. So I get what you're saying. The, the, the opponent's weren't great but it's the maybe it's the digs factor like we we're talking about just having a that was my that season. was that was where i was going next because this receiving core is one of the one of the better ones in the league at this point i mean they have like we already talked about it last week uh digs is a number one receiver he's he he was number two in that minnesota offense but he was he was one b he wasn't two he was one b to thielen's one a so digs finally being the number one receiver in buffalo is good for him Eight receptions, 150 yards, and a touchdown on 13 targets Sunday. Expect to keep that going from fantasy perspective. Not necessarily those absurdly ridiculous, like awesome. Coming into the numbers. year, I was down on digs. I was wrong. 
I think he's yeah. gonna have a great season. I wish I, I had everybody, him on the rosters. Nobody wants Buffalo. Like nobody wants Buffalo players. I did. Did, did you trust Josh Allen's arm coming into the year? I nobody did. wants him. Nobody. But he's it's just not sexy. It. It's just not sexy. But you know what? Buffalo is here to stay. I mean, John Brown is a great two number two receiver. He had four catches, eighty two yards, a touchdown, and had six targets. Dude, I'm owning both of those guys on my fantasy team. I'm also considering rostering. Um, Knox as my tight end two on my team, maybe a bench player. I just think Buffalo is a good team because they also not only have the wide receiver core, they also have two good running backs. Singletary and Zach Moss are, in a, from a fantasy perspective, not ideal situation because this is a split. This is a genuine running back split because I think that's what Buffalo wanted. I think this is what Buffalo wanted to do this year because we want to talk about how maybe they downgraded Singletary, but maybe it was just that they were upgrading Moss. Maybe single right. is still on that same shine that they that they thought of man thought of him in, but physically Singletary is not imposing. He's smaller than Moss, so maybe they wanted to create a good one-two punch with Moss and Singletary because both of them catch passes, both of them run the football just about the same amount. Um, I think that the better fantasy fantasy week from either of these two running backs might just depend on touchdown distribution because I think both of them are kind of in that same tier of fantasy value right now. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, the fact that both of them are there means neither of them has great starting value on your roster. They both need to be owned. Mm-hmm. But just like I, just like you were mentioning, I think it's the Bills. Um, it's the Bills' strategy. I don't think they're downgrading Singletary and drafting Moss. I think they like having two running backs, and they they liked it yeah. last year with Frank Gore and Devin Singletary. I think Zach Moss was more of a replacement for Frank Gore than it was encroaching on Singletary. I think they ultimately wanted to always have that two system team. Um, Something like, but they just, they Frank Gore couldn't keep up last year. And so they needed to replace Gore. You mean the, you mean the, the Jets running back, Frank Gore? <laughs> the starting running back, the starting running back for the New York Jets? That Frank Gore? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Dolphins in this game, though, nothing to be ashamed of. Decent game. For, I mean, gritty game out of them. Not a, not a great game, but gritty game out of them. They're not, again, people thought they were terrible. Look, People want to think that football teams tank. I think that we're just seeing that, look, tanking doesn't exist in football. If, if there was a team to tank last year, it would have been the Dolphins. They didn't. And I think we're seeing the same kind of team this year out of them. I mean, another just gritty, untalented team. I mean, Gusecki, top 10 tight end in fantasy, likely. Maybe a top he'll, he'll be on your waivers, fantasy. too, because he had a bad week one. But his... Yeah. his- his uh, athleticism and catching ability we saw that that one hander he had in the game that yeah was that was nice freaking that was nice sick catch. like so scoop up Gusecki if you can even if you have a tight end like the if these guys play well you can trade them down the line I mean, we I, already saw how many people could get injured in one week you're, you're i could your see he's not immune to an injury right we saw what what um physical talent can do on a team with mark andrews at tight end last year gesicki profiles as a similar body type where he's really athletic he can kind of take it long he's a good red zone option if Fitzpatrick does get replaced ultimately by tua this offense could look even better and be a lot of fun and possibly can put up more points um I still like Devonte Parker too. He had 50 yards, five catches, and a touchdown yeah. against a, a tough Bills team. So He's go still ahead. Water Tabor two flex option for sure. Yep. Yep. Go ahead and fire him up. I, I left him on my bench because he came into this game with a questionable tag and he was getting the Tredavious White treatment. So I was like, okay, well, he might leave this game early, um, or he is just going to get shattered and shut down. But he he overcame that. Um, and so yeah, go go fire him up. We see the same things from last year where he's going to be a, a 
a guy you can rely on. Um, yeah, I played Watkins over uh, <laughs> over Parker this week, which was yeah. not the way to go. I don't know. It's you. The Watkins injury was just like it's a fluke. You, a concussions are you know it's fluky. Any injury mid game is fluky, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, the other game that I want to talk about about was the Broncos Steelers game where the Steelers won twenty six twenty one. Um, the reason I want to talk about this one is I, and I think we'll go into one more after this because um, I want to touch on some of these teams that are going to be in the mix for a Super Bowl this year, and the Steelers are one of them in my opinion. Um, because Big Ben's going to be a comeback player of the year candidate. Um, we already talked about how Cam, Cam and Ben. I think it's I think it's a battle between those two. I think Cam and Cam and Big Ben are going to be the the comeback players of the year because I mean Big Ben didn't have a fantastic game, but his fourth quarter touchdown. Did you see that pass to Deontay Johnson? I mean, he just Big Ben is just he. It was vintage seeing him make that back that back foot throw, and he just he he'll always have that clutch gene and. I have Big Ben on my fantasy team and I'm not panicking by having him. Like I'm playing Minshew against Miami this week, probably. Um, but that's kind of how I'm rolling with QB because I think Big, Big Ben is going to be a, a top 12, I would say, fantasy QB this year. And I think Minshew is going to be in that same kind of tier. So I'm rolling with a lower level QB this season, but I'm trying to find value in other spots on my roster. And so I think Pittsburgh is, is a great team. I think big Ben is going to put up some decent stats. What, what was your thought on the Steelers in, in this game? I love the Steelers pass catchers when it comes to Deontay Johnson and Juju. Um, they both should be not only on rosters, but in your starting roster. And yet, yes, that goes for Deontay Johnson as well. He's he's solidly in the wide receiver two range with the target share on, on a good Steelers team. James Conner looks healthy again and, and played well in, in week two. Um, coming Here's off the thing with my James Conner. Here's my James Conner take, though. I, I'm either – I don't – he is so hard – to to pinpoint from a fantasy perspective and so if i have james connor i'm probably trying to trade him because i think the value is high after week two and exactly that's what i was about to say like i try i'll try to trade for him too because i depends on your team depends on your team it depends on the team for everybody and i think that if i have james connor i might look to try to get a more consistent running back in exchange mm-hmm. for him or a more cons- or a, a big upgrade to, to my wide receiver group because or tight end um because his injury likelihood is so high in a year that we're already seeing injury trends upticking like the injury there's a second injury coming to james connor and i just don't know where it's going to be but he's not going to be playing he's not going to play the next 14 games that's not going to happen he's going to miss some so my thought is (laughs) not only am i trying to trade him but i'm also so trying to trade for him because i think that the value could still grow up i think there still could be more james connor value and uh, I don't know. I don't know that this is his peak. I just don't think right. there yet. If but, the Steelers' offense is really back with Big Ben and they're putting up points, and Connor is right. on the field, whenever he's on the field, you're just the, risking the injury every week. You're, you're just really good risking player. the injury every week. So that's the only. <laughs> I mean, it's a big. It's a big risk with a guy like James Connor, especially in the year that we're talking about injury trends going up. So, are are you thinking the same kind of things with him? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, his involvement in the passing game is encouraging. Benny Snell got very few carries. Um, so, you know, in week one, he was efficient, but Connor's clearly the lead back when healthy. Mm-hmm. I want Connor on my team um, because Saquon went out. And so I'm going to try and get him. Um, the, the only question for him is, uh, is going to be injury on this team with Ben back. Cause that team's going to put up points. All right. On the other, the other side of this game, the Broncos 
the 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 main takeaway for the Broncos was Drew Locke, their QB got hurt, had a shoulder injury. I think he's gonna be out for like three to four weeks, they said. Yeah, AC, um, saw, AC joint sprain. Yeah, when Driscoll came in, though, Driscoll was spreading the ball around. So he, he clearly has no no fear in, in throwing the football. So my main takeaway was if I have Noah Fant, I know Cortland Sutton just tore his ACL. So if I have I actually have these two guys I'm about to say, Noah Fant and Jerry Judy. I have them both on my fantasy team. Actually, Same team? I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, – I'm, up, I'm upticking actually a little bit both of them I'm going out because I think there's more – that's obviously more opportunity for targets. Um, but I'm also not downgrading them with a, a change in QB because I think what I said Driscoll was it, it was on par with what you get out of lock week in and week out. So I don't think it was a major drop off. I mean, I'm sure Denver would prefer to have lock in there, but from a fantasy perspective, I don't think it's going to be that much different. Yeah, I think from a real quarterback perspective, the the Broncos are going to be worse off as a team. But fantasy wise, I don't think it's a big downgrade. Um, because Sutton's out now, Judy and Fant should be receiving more of a target share. So that should more than balance um, or tip the scales in their favor in terms of fantasy performance for the rest of the year. So I, I like Judy going forward. I like Fant going forward as, as guys who can be um, startable every week. All right. The other game, one last game I want to talk about because um, this team is definitely relevant for the season is the Green Bay Packers versus Detroit. Packers won 42-21. Um, and the reason why I want to talk about the Green Bay Packers is I think they might have the best offense in the NFL. And tell me, so I'll give you the other options. You got the Chiefs, you got the Rams. Who else you got? The Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, throw the, throw the Cardinals in there, the Bills, some of the teams that have really performed well. Think, throw the Falcons, yeah. Cowboys, Seahawks. My, my two teams right now are the Green Bay Packers and Kansas City Chiefs. I think that if I had to pick Super Bowl favorites right now, I would go with those two. And my reason why is I think Green Bay has really just found their identity on offense and they're just continuing to roll on defense that where they last season, they had a great defensive, they had great defensive talent last year. And I think that just kind of keeping it rolling this year, I'm not really seeing that much change um, on that side of the football for them, but I am seeing some schematic changes for Green Bay on offense. And I think it's really opening up options for Aaron Rodgers to really just play with his weapons and go with the hot hand more so than really. He used to really force the ball into Devontae Adams a lot. I thought he would really. You could you could predict what Green Bay was going to be doing. I thought when Mark when Mike McCarthy was was the coach there, and I think that with Lafleur in his second season, I think he's finally starting to implement an offense that he wants. I think last year was the adjustment period, and I think this year him really just starting to hit his stride as the coach in Green Bay, and I think that he's starting to mesh well with his quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. I have Aaron Rodgers slated as probably a top 10 fantasy quarterback going the rest of the way. And I have Aaron Jones as a solidified RB1 the rest of the way. And especially with McCaffrey and Saquon going out, I think Aaron Jones has an opportunity to really just run away with the one spot in, in the running back category. If he's going to keep scoring touchdowns the way he did yesterday and, and last season, it's very, it's, it's very possible that Aaron Jones is the number one running back in fantasy, in fantasy this year. What do you think about Green Bay? Yeah, so Adams, Rodgers, and Jones all look like great drafts, um, great values from the draft this year. Jones, you probably got in the third round, and looks like he was a, is a first round value. Um, uh, what what I didn't like about Jones coming into the season was that Jamal Williams got a lot of carries and, and passes last year, and uh, not really they, seen that. 
they also drafted AJ Dillon. So I thought this was going to be kind of a three headed backfield where he got sl- slightly more touches than, than the rest of them, but he was also going to split time. And that's clearly not what's happening. He's, he's shown he's the most talented back there. Um, and it's going to be his job. So yeah, Jones is a big upgrade in, in our rankings. Um, Adams tweaked his hammy this game and went out early. Yeah. So, uh, so he, he, he had a muted point total. Um, but yeah, Ro- Rogers looks good. Rogers looks much better this year. He's playing angry. I think he's mad. They drafted love in, in the first round and he's saying, you know, screw you guys. I still got it. Um, I would temper expectations a little bit before we, we cement this as one of the best offenses because they, they played against two uh, basement dwelling defenses in the Vikings and lions. Um, Vikings have been torched twice. Uh, same thing goes for the lions. So I, I want, I want to see them prove it a couple more weeks, but yeah, if we get to week four and Rogers is still lighting it up and Aaron Jones is still running all over the place, which very well could be, um, we know these guys histories, um, in their talent level. So yeah, the, the Packers could be back. Uh, I want to, I want to see them face a real opponent this week. They get the saints. Um, and I do think the saints have a good D despite what the, the Raiders were able to do. Um, so yeah, if the Packers can go ahead and beat the saints then yeah put put them in the upper echelon but uh in terms of offenses i would still take take the chiefs ravens cowboys and i've I, maybe the falcons i don't trust matt ryan as much so yeah I would, I would put those three the only team i'm taking over green bay right now is the chiefs in terms of offense the only offense i'm taking over is the chiefs but i see i see an argument for those other ones as well i mean there's so many great offenses we already talked about how many points teams are scoring and um, obviously, that's going to mean that offenses are improving. You know, give me the Seahawks too. I trust the Seahawks yeah. offense. Really, really, you want to talk of you want to talk about the best offense in the league. You can't you can't do that without mentioning the Seahawks, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Cardinals right now, and uh, the Rams and the Packers. Those are those are those was that five teams and the Cowboys and Falcons you already mentioned too. So, I mean, that's like six or seven teams. And the point is that. Uh, offense is a plenty in 2020 so there's points to be had there's yeah. definitely a lot so it's it's splitting hairs trying to pick between some of those but in, in just personal my personal opinion I'm, I'm taking the packers next to the chiefs is my 1a and 1b offenses the um the top offenses on dvoa kc new orleans seattle baltimore green bay dallas rams new england atlanta I'm surprised by New Orleans in there. They they really looked out of sync with Michael Thomas last night. I wonder if that's just week one or is that both? No, this is through week two, revised on yeah. 20, uh, on 22nd. Kamara keeps scoring, so I'm not, yeah. Maybe that's the they case. They did have some garbage time touchdowns. They had the and, and a garbage time pass to Sanders that cost me yeah. the fantasy <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe you lost on that last play. The number one DVO ranked team right now is Green Bay, like I said, though. Number one ranked in uh, its combined offense and defense. Number one ranked is Green Bay, Seattle, two, the Rams, three, New England, Baltimore, Jacksonville. We talked about how Jacksonville is looking pretty solid. They're, they're, they're not, I don't think they're going to be winning any playoff games this year, but maybe one if they get lucky, but um, a fun team. It, it would, would you think the Jags make the playoffs? I, I still don't. But I, I mean, you want to you have, playing money, great? you have money. There's worse teams to, to to gamble on right now than Jacksonville. I mean, if you want to bet on, I'm sure you could get great odds on them making the playoffs. And so, if you want right. to, you have the money to throw at a value like that. It's not terrible. I mean, look, they're ranked six at the. I mean, it's just two weeks, but they're ranked six in the NFL in in the advanced stats DVOA ranking. So, and they have actually played some decent defenses. Um, they get the. 
Colts in week one. Is that right? And then the Titans yeah, in week two? Colts and Titans, two good teams. Those so, are not scrubs of defenses that, you know, the, these aren't the bottom of the barrel types of teams that we're talking about. So uh, maybe this offense is more legit with Minshew at the helm than we previously thought. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, nobody wants to, nobody wants to admit that Minshew is a good player, but dude, the guy's fun and he's slinging the ball accurately. So if there was a guy that looked like his team, it's definitely it's Minshew. Minshew. He looks like team. Florida. He looks like Jacksonville. What a, that's a great point, dude. <laughs> I love that. Dude, we might as well just call him the Jacksonville Minshews. Oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> that's what we're going to call him from going forward on this podcast. We're just going to call him the, the Minshews. That's hilarious. We should, we should grow the mustaches out. <laughs> All right, dude. Other scores on the week. Let me know if you want to talk about any of these. Bengals-Browns on Thursday night, 35-30 Browns. Bears-Giants, 17-13 Bears. Hi, uh, Colts, Vikings, 28-11, Colts. What do you think of the Vikings? I mean, slow start for them. Are, are, are they not even in that playoff picture this year? You're still rolling with Cook and Thielen. Outside of that, I don't want any of these guys on my team. And th- that whole roster with Kirk Cousins not playing well, um, they, they look weak on defense. They've had a lot of guys that they're missing out on this year. They just they look like they're not not in for a good season. I don't yeah, trust I it. I don't, so I don't think they make the playoffs. I, I don't. I uh, think they miss out. I think that division's tough too. So I, I don't know that they're, they're, they'll be able to squeak in. 49ers, Jets. 49ers won 31-13, but really the story was their injuries. They, they basically lost their four best players due to torn ACLs and in Bosa and Solomon on the defensive line. Both tore their ACLs and then Garoppolo and Mostert had um, injuries. That's going to cost them a couple weeks at least. So It's crazy how the JV team of the 49ers can still just – absolutely cream the jets dude the the jets Jets are are horrible and i think a lot of the blame has to go to adam gacy he's got to be one of the worst coaches out there i don't see why they hired him he was horrible on the dolphins he was horrible on the jets the only time he was good was with peyton manning and so he's only ruined guys careers if you look at ryan Tannehill, he was unlocked when he left the team if you look at Devontae parker unlocked when he left the team and you know what what he's done to lev bell he's absolutely ruined this guy's career so why why the hell do do these do the Jets think he's a great offensive mind? I don't know. They need to cut bait with this guy. Yeah, he's on the hot seat for sure. Are you um are you worried about the 49ers being able to succeed despite the injuries? Nick Mullins is a decent backup. He he filled in actually he pretty good, well for Garoppolo previously. Last year, yeah. Um it, it's gonna depend on if they can get Kittle back in healthy and when Debo can return. Um I think Mullins will be able to feed them the ball. Uh there's a lot of short yardage that that they can, the, these, the injury, these guys are great. The injuries, um, the the information on the Garoppolo injury was actually encouraging. They, he actually he's questionable to doubtful for the for this next game. So the Garoppolo injury is just going to be a week or two tops. Um, but the boat, my biggest worry is that de- those two defensive injuries to Bosa and Solomon. I mean, really, they're two best pass rushers on the team. Yeah, um, for the Forty ers as a team, possibly, I think. I mean, Bosa is possibly the best player in the NFL. Aside by, I mean, aside from Aaron Donald. Yeah, I think I think for the 49ers, you have to worry about that defense and their season from an actual NFL perspective and how, how deep they can make a run without having those guys around. But from an offensive perspective, like I was saying, um, you know, Mullins is going to be able to get most of the ball in space, Kittle in space, and Debo Samuel in space. And these guys are some of the best after the catch um, performers. Point. The, the, yeah, y- the yards. Explosive. 
the yards after they get the ball in their hands, Kittle is a beast to try and tackle. Um, Debo Samuel is one of the one of the larger wide receivers, and he bowls guys over. And then all of their running backs are actually I pretty for, good pass dude, catchers. I forgot Moster was that fast. Moster might be the fastest running back in the league. He's one. It's actually his former teammate Matt Breida. Believe it or oh, not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him saying that. The past few years, yeah, that tandem was box. quick, man. Abrita yeah. Moster tandem, man. Moster. Now you see why they were so good last year. Star, he was a track star in college, and man, he did he look it in that run against in that first run against the Jets. He opened the game up with what, like an eighty-yard touchdown run. That was first crazy. play of the game, unreal. All right, uh, just to wrap up the week, Buccaneers, Panthers, Buccaneers won thirty-one seventeen. Got that first win out of the way. Um, Ravens, Texans. Texans don't look good this year. Something's off with them. Uh, the big headline for the Bucks, I think, is Fournette's going to be the running back there going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fournette's going to take over eventually. Um, he already had 100 it might, yards. It might, it might very well be this week. And then the last game that we didn't talk about was the Monday night game. Raiders took that one. Um, the main takeaway for me was, dude, the Raiders are here. They're, they're, for so long, they've been known as a very undisciplined team. And finally, they just look like they're just well-coached and well-schemed well and have good strategy. Just really know the roles better. And I think that's just a great reflection on John Gruden and what he's done for that team. Yeah, um, all their skill players are pretty great. If, if you go around the roster, you have Jacobs at running back, tight end, Waller. Uh, you have Rugs stretching the field. Renfro is a good uh, possession player. Um, and, and Carr is able to feed them the ball. He, his completion percentage last year was around 70%. He's pretty accurate. Um, he's never been really a deep ball guy, but he, he's been able to support offenses previously with Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree having a good fantasy season. So I think Waller keeps it up. Josh Jacobs caught a few passes. So that's encouraging. The Raiders are here. They're here and they're ready to play. Cleveland Farrell looks good on that team. Another young guy who's playing well. Yeah, I had them in, I think I had around 17 in our power rankings that uh, we're throwing out on the website, but I'm ready to put them higher. I'm ready. It's a team that we're, we're, you know, keeping highlighted, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I'm ready to move them up. I have them at, sorry, I even had, I had them at 14. So I have them at, behind the Niners and ahead of the Chargers. And I'm, I'm, I'm even ready to move them up more as, as soon as I see the, the consistency out of them, you know? But mm-hmm. they look good last night. So I don't, I don't think it was... I think the Saints were really missing Michael Thomas. And I, I think they just had a little bit of an off game on offense. But I think the main takeaway was that the Raiders are a good team and they're going to compete for a playoff spot this year for sure. Yeah, and I think what we're going to try and do is, you know, get this podcast out and and put out our power rankings around the same time so you guys can listen into our insights, but then also check out the actual implications for where we think these teams rank for the rest of the season. Definitely, definitely. And that being said, we have rankings on our website for uh, fantasy football for different positions, and those are going to be rotating rankings. Um, Those are full season-long values, so it's not your weekly ranking. It's not who you should play in a specific matchup, but rather uh, where we see these players being ranked for the rest of the season and their value. So if you're considering trades, that type of thing, these are a couple of tools that we're going to put out on our website. And uh, so if you guys listen to the pod, check out those as well while you're doing that. So you can multitask. You know, this is 2020. Yeah, you guys are pretty good at screens and listening and working from home and all that. Yeah. ATA, dude. Company man, Connor Larson over here. We got everything. We're coming at you multi-channel, you know? <laughs> ATA is a lot of fun. I recommend it, especially for fans football right now. We're working on some, you said Garrett's working on some of the mobile. I know some people have gone to the website and some of the feedback has been like, oh, I can't really see it well on my phone. It doesn't work well on my phone. Well, Garrett, our CTO, he's uh, he's working on um, making the website usable on the phone. I mean, we'll, we'll, I don't know, workable on the phone. So Yeah, so the, basically the, the way that... 
the workflow <laughs> works there is, you know, we need our product officer to design the page um, because there are different resolutions and screen sizes for phones. We need to optimize the the buttons and texts and images on the page. So right now, you know, we, we launched um, and we knew there were going to be some bugs when we first launched um, because we we're doing a soft launch and it was our first time creating a website. So everything was created mainly for laptops. So it doesn't, the, the product doesn't look fantastic on the phone. It's still usable. It looks, it looks cool, but we're optimizing right now. And, you know, Demi and Garrett are our product and our innovation tech officers. They're, they're whipping it up and it's going to be fantastic. And, you know, keep, keep an eye on for great things. We're going to have some interactive games on the website within the next few months. So we're targeting December. It might, might flow into next year, but you know, we're, we're actually really going to come out with a pretty impressive set of products. Um, you know, now that we are officially an LLC, especially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got that news in the other day. Uh, uh, ATA LLC. We are business that. owners, Ben. Congratulations, man. Right. Congrats. Con. You put something cool together. <laughs> you, you, you got something to put your name on. You give it to your kids someday. Hey, all of us, man. <laughs> yeah, we bring man. the whole team along. It's been it's been fun so far. Um, I really enjoyed talking week two with you here, and I'm uh, looking forward to this podcast and working on ATA and what we have in store for every, our uh, all of our content consumers going forward. Yeah, everyone, stay tuned, and thanks for listening in. Thanks, Ben, for having me on again. All right, buddy. It was good talking with you. We'll be in touch for week three, and I'm sure that uh, Vicious Talk will be seeing you again soon. All right, buddy.